Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 293 for October 20th, 2023. Tonight, it's an early show, but I had to get the show rolling. We're going to talk about if my last pharmacy experience is any indicator, about Hologram Revolution is my Technopunk cover band leaking from the core. This Domino's vehicle is out of this world. Our profit margins are too low. Shut it down. How about strange underwater animals could save us? How about that bang was a lot louder than usual. Rescued by blue jeans. Out of the frying pan into the courtroom. And even toy trains are derailing now. Okay, so we have a change of plans. We have to do today's show early, um, mainly because things in hometown have shifted a little bit. Um, it may or may not actually stay this way, uh, but today for sure is a, an early show. Tomorrow, I don't know. Um, there's an event going on uh, that I won't be able to do it earlier, but we might be able to. Um, do it a little bit earlier tomorrow as well and even sunday we'll see we'll see how this works out um let's get into the show so we don't run late all right first show our first article oh no 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 wait 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 that the artificial intelligence is telling me that i've forgotten something and that is that I am Merwat, that is hometown.com and up there is the ring of sentience you have to say it like a wizard casting a spell Good evening, hometown citizens. There you go. So let's get into it now. <laughs> the first article. Um, over in hometown daily, it's this show, but it's also a channel over on hometown.com. Amazon prescription delivery service threatens drugstores existence. And frankly, if my last pharmacy experience is any indicator, I have no problem with this. So Amazon Pharmacy will be launching the service within College Station, Texas, as the company tests out its drone delivery service. I'm on board for this. You know, I mean, it seems a lot more convenient. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine you're like, hey, I need my medication, whatever it may be. And you don't have to go and deal with anybody. You don't have to worry about anything. If it's the wrong medicine, then obviously there's still accountability. Hopefully nobody, you know, jacks your uh, medication when it's sitting on the thing. But some, I'm sure in some neighborhoods, that's exactly what might take place. But in hometown, hometown, it doesn't even have law enforcement because everything is perfect. Everything's perfect. It's an oasis. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the article's over at Newsweek.com. Um, this came in after our show yesterday um, was all spun up, but <clears throat> it actually came in a little bit earlier. Um, Suzanne Blake is a reporter for Consumer and Social Trends over at Newsweek, and this little um, video here may or may not, I haven't watched it, but I'll let you all go over there and 
um, watch it. Here, let me throw this into the VOD. So you can go and check it out. But, uh, you know, frankly, if it lowers the price, lowers the friction, allows me to have a better quality of life, you know, my work-life balance, I'm not in the road, I'm not spending any money on gas, I'm not burning I'm any not gas. I'm not getting exposed to sick people to go pick up medication. Yeah. Oh, man, it's kind of like going into a Petri dish sometimes, particularly in high-occupancy pharmacies. Um, Amazon will be launching that service in, in College Station, Texas. I wonder how they deal with like covered patios and stuff like that. Do they just drop the package in the yard? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's going to be lots of things. It does scan for obstacles, but because um, I think I looked ahead at this one, but um, yeah. I don't think it addressed things like that. So around 500 medications are available for delivery within the hour, mainly for those dealing with common sicknesses like flu and asthma. There's also 24-7 virtual Amazon clinic operating, which provides treatment for 35 conditions, as well as the company's hybrid uh, primary care clinic, One Medical. I think there's one of those right outside of Ometown. That's, I'll have to look, um, which makes it really, really close. Um, the expansion into prescription delivery happened after Amazon acquired the primary health care provider One Medical and a deal valued at $3.9 billion last year. By the way, the more that I think about Amazon and prescription drugs and medical care and all of that kind of stuff, do you remember the movie where the person puts on a headset and can travel through time? Um, no, I don't know what that is. There's basically like a dystopian future um, and the the guy, the brother um, is ex retired military, suffers from PTSD um, and was sent to beta test a headset that a pull that and it. I can't remember the name of it right now, but um, he, basically she was the sister was really oh, good at the show. Game. Yeah, yeah, it's a TV Peripheral. show. Peripheral, thank you. So it, this is starting to remind me of Peripheral because you're like, okay, I need this drug, um, but it has to be 3D printed somewhere. And so to you have to go to a special pharmacy and they synthesize it for you and it costs like thousands and thousands of dollars for medication. I'm starting to feel like that. You know, like we're we're really stepping fast forward into that dystopian future where every everything is corporate controlled. I mean, as if it isn't already, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think right. politicians really do need like NASCAR suits and a NASCAR interface at C-SPAN where it's arrows saying this was the last provider of funds to this campaign and all of that kind of stuff all in real time. And people can sit there and say, oh, look, he edged him out of that fourth corner there and uh, he's taking the lead and and do whole like uh, popularity, real time popularity standings where people can vote up a particular politician. And at the end of the day, they get like a ranking of this is the person that's really popular. That's a person that's not so popular. Santos is always winning no matter what. Right. <clears throat> Amazon said its drones have built-in technology to avoid all air obstacles in air obstacles. Like people? 
What? Uh, maybe birds. It says here, though, built-in technology to avoid all in-air obstacles like people, pets, and other buildings. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people and pets flying through the air. It's a low-flying <laughs> poodle. No wonder they need some medication. <laughs> Moo. Uh, Texas too, so hurricanes are going to be a problem at some point. Anyway, Amazon told Newsweek that Prime Air polling found that uh, among existing customers, medications were the top of the list that they wanted for fast delivery. True. And I want uh, coffee drinks. And I'm actually, I really like that Y3000 Coca-Cola. It's an odd flavor. And as long as it's sugar-free, I'm cool. We're making the process of getting acute and chronic medications customers need faster, easier, and more affordable, says John Love, vice president of Amazon Pharmacy. That's who told Newsweek. Rapid delivery changes the prescription delivery paradigm from days to minutes and represents a dramatic improvement over what customers are used to, like horrible customer service in some pharmacies. Some pharmacies customers need to go on strike just like pharmacists need to go on strike for better treatment i'm not sure i want any chance of anybody tampering with the medication true oh god why can't we have nice things why do people have to some people not everybody right but some people just have to be real d-bags all right, let's go on to the next article. It's been way long, way long time. Let's go, let's go. So the next article is over in Technology Today. Why a hologram revolution could be on the way. Holograms are getting better and cheaper, and some think they will be everywhere. I hope so. <laughs> I love holograms. I love them. That looks like the um, chameleon from Tangled. Not as colorful, though. True. That one's just kind of... What was his name? He was a painter, famous painter. Dunk on it. I don't remember. So such thrills are possible at Australia's Hologram Zoo, which opened earlier this year and features 50 lifelike displays from dinosaurs to gorillas crafted from lasers. Um, Pas Pascal? Pa Pascal, yeah. Pascal, yeah. Um, its creator says it's the world's most futuristic animal theme park using technology that's never been used anywhere else. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> I guess it, it really depends on what they're talking about as the technology. Because if this is open air and there isn't some type of medium that the laser is projecting onto to create the hologram, then yeah, okay. So you are projecting an object in the air that appears to be real because you can walk around it. You are seeing it from all sorts of different angles. So you use laser light and we project these objects into the air. That, what a weird way of writing that. It's like this. It's like a run on sentence that inverted. I wonder if you put it together. What are the things where it's like uh, one zero zero one one zero zero one when you flip it it's the same way you mean like a palindrome palindrome yeah Let's see this is why the artificial intelligence keeps me the sentient ai keeps me in check my my brain 
So th that's how the sentence read. Anyway, the animals come into your room, they walk through the tunnel and you uh, pat them just like in the movies. You're seeing an animal made of light in front of you. You'll go out and reach your hand out and, and pat the lion. They just said the same thing twice again. I'll be okay. Anyway, <laughs> holograms normally take tremendous amounts of computing power. You'll normally have a, uh, 10 computers hooked together to do them because our because of our good understanding of how computer memory management works, we've been able to make algorithms that reduce holograms down to just one computer. Is this an AI? Every single paragraph sounds like gibberish. No holograms don't take 10 computers hooked together to do them. The <laughs> hell is he talking about? Are they talking about? Anyway, in Canberra, another race towards reimagining the concepts of holography is well underway. Researchers at the Australian National University or ANU say they're disrupting ancient laws of physics that use lenses and mirrors to spread light. <laughs> I'm sure it's very, very well couched inside laws of physics. Yeah, metasurfaces could turn uh, reading spectacles into night vision glasses, replace diagnostic blood tests with breath tests and tell us when food in the fridge has gone off. Professor Nashiv believes holographic techniques could be transformational for medicine and help to guide surgeons deep inside the body of a patient at the cellular level with real-time images. Uh, the problem with a lot of technology and like projections or robotic um remote robotic surgery and stuff like that is that <laughs> no um removing my gallbladder is going to be different than removing somebody else's gallbladder it's not always precisely in the same spot to not the same size um etc yeah i mean there's so many variables it's it's kind of like chaos theory in there. And the only reason why people don't suffer from more accidents and incidents is because the doctor has been trained so much that they adapt to it and it's frictionless, right? Like, uh, you know, a, a, an infected kidney or not kidney, but a gallbladder can be removed. It is in the general same area but the way it looks and how it can be moved to one side or another and where it precisely it is all connected again it all of the connections are the same but how they're routing and what is all the intermediate stuff has to get shoved out of the way and whatnot it, it's not something that's going to be Here's a hologram overlay, snip this here, snip that here, cauterize this, that, and the other. It's never going to be that way. It's just not. Um, so, I mean, and for me, a technologist who says it's never going to be that way, maybe uh, I haven't gotten, I got up on the wrong side of the bed, but um, I just don't think that it's going to be that way for another 500 years. We just don't have that ability to adapt to the dynamic environment of the human body. Not without humans. Humans make it possible. Anyway, 
So these holograms, I love the idea of it, um, particularly if they become hyper-realistic and not like this. The problem with this is it becomes an abstracted art piece and not a, a realistic animal that you can actually bond to, right? So you go through a zoo and you go, oh, that's a real elephant. It'll come over and you can feed it and all of that kind of stuff. And it's tangible and it looks real. This looks like an art piece. So it's great to examine certain elements of it. Like, oh, look, an elephant has these big old ears. And if you read the wiki page from time to time, people have edited it to describe that elephants can fly by flapping their ears. <laughs> <laughs> this is why professors don't accept Wikipedia entries as primary <laughs> research. Probably wise. Um, although that standard seems to be kind of shifting around. At any rate, um, holograms are awesome. And I don't know about new technology because uh, Atune Miku uh, was on the East Coast recently in DC. Tickets were something like 400 to 1100 dollars or something like that it was some I mean, wild that's amount. more than for real people yeah it was pretty expensive um at any rate let's go on oh i didn't throw this into come on i have to do something this didn't get thrown into the chat so there you go Boink. okay so the next article uh, this is over in the Mobile Channel. Further evidence of Earth's core leaking found in Baffin or on Baffin Island. Uh, a combined team of geochemists from Woods Hole Oceanographic Oceanographic Institution and California Institute of Technology has found evidence of high levels of helium three in rocks on Baffin Island. Possible evidence that the Earth's core is leaking. In their paper published in the journal Nature. The group describes their study of helium-3 and helium-4 on the uh, Canadian Arctic Archipelago. Uh, the article is over at um, fizz.org, and Bob Yurka from fizz.org put the article together. Uh, prior researchers found trace elements of helium-3 and lava flows on Baffin Island, hinting at the possibility that the Earth's core might be leaking. This is because it is an ancient isotope. It was prevalent during the uh, time when the earth was forming and became trapped in the core. And because of its nature, helium three that makes its way to the surface soon escapes into the atmosphere and disappears into space. Thus helium three is rare. If it is found on the surface, the odds are high that it made its way out of the core. So the earth's core is off gassing. Right. So what is the significance of that, I guess, is the next question. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the research team notes that finding such high levels of helium-3 at a terrestrial site is a big deal because if it can be proved that the material is indeed leaking from the core, it will provide scientists with a way to study core material, which has never been done before. They could reveal more about the core than previously thought possible. They note that if helium-3 is coming from the core, then the materi other material around it should be as well, offering further physical examples of core material. And that's all there is to this. So obviously this stuff has been here um, for billions of years, but it has migrated from the Earth's core up through uh, the mantle and out to the surface. 
And then it says it off gases into the atmosphere and into space. So if they've actually found it, I suspect they're going to start doing some deep cores um, and, and keep it in a protected environment so that none of that leaks out and they can take um, samples from time to time. I'm not sure how they would all do that, you know, but hey, that's why they're the scientists and I just report. So did I throw that article? No, oh, I didn't throw that article into the chat. My goodness. There you go, folks. Okay, let's go on to the next. There isn't much to this one. How about the next articles over in Hatch Ideas? A rare spaceship-shaped Domino's delivery vehicle is going up for auction. The last one sold for nearly $45,000. The Triton A2, which looks like it would be more at home in Star Wars film than a delivery... It says pan. Than delivering pan pizzas. Does Domino deliver pan pizzas? Uh, sure. Huh, okay. Um, is, never mind. I don't want to get sidetracked by it, the discussion. Um, so it was commissioned by Domino's founder Tom Moynihan, and uh, or Monahan. Sorry, there's no Y in there. So Nicholas Vega over at CNBC.com put this article together, and that's what it looks like. It okay, have like you ever seen one of those driving around? I don't... No, never. So you haven't seen one of these, right? I don't think so. It says it's not NASA's, it's Domino's. Basically, it looks like an experimental um, bicycle-like vehicle, like one of those zero-energy kind of experimental bikes, but it's actually a a delivery vehicle for Domino's. It even says on it, fast, friendly, free delivery. Believe me. You know what I would expect this vehicle to have is maybe a square or rectangular area, and it does not. Uh, because of Domino's? Or well, sure. Like, where is it going to fit the boxes? The, for the pizzas? I don't know. Where do they? Huh. I don't know. I haven't had Domino's in, I don't know how many years, probably 10. <laughs> I've gotten Domino's other stuff for other people, but I haven't had a pizza from them in a long time. Um, so Monahan ordered 10 vehicles back in 1985 in an attempt to create an economical delivery vehicle. Hello, crazy cat lady. You're not mi missing much from Domino's. Yeah. That's kind of what happened. Uh, I can tell you my last experience with a Domino's shop was that they took my order and my money and then never delivered it. And then when I showed up, they said, you put an order in. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually showed up because I had called and they're like, yeah, it's on the way. And uh, yeah, it never, it never actually showed up. And then when I got there, they were like surprised. I'm like, yeah, here, I even have the confirmation number. And they're like, oh yeah, it's our shop. We totally forgot. Uh, okay. Um, so yeah, this is what it looks like. The canopy of the A2 slides forward to allow the driver to enter, but not your pizzas. Those, the driver shows up at your house apparently and just says they're back at the shop. <laughs> exactly. They they're don't ready look for like you they to should in the vehicle. 
they stack them upright. You know, you have to lay pizzas normally flat, but Domino's has apparently this magic system where you can turn them upright. Then all the cheese would slide down. <laughs> Sticks to the lid. No, it... You know, the, it has the little pizza topper thing where it, it sticks into the pizza and it pins it against the box so it doesn't flop or slide or anything because, you know, Domino's cheese pizza is... Uh, it's like the Saturday Night Live skit where they go, you can't yeah, call it pizza, pizza it's whatever. pizza yeah. adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is it, Linda? <laughs> So the winning bidder will also receive a customized motorcycle trailer to be able to transport the A2 around town because it's probably not street legal anymore. The A2 has poor visibility and is susceptible to potholes because it's also so low to the ground. Hmm. The last time one of the vehicles uh, in this fleet went up for auction, the winning bidder took it home for a cool $44,800 for that. I suppose if you're like a aerodynamics enthusiast, this would probably, you know, well done your pizza, so to speak. Let's keep going. Hey, this next one is really going to irritate you if uh, you haven't been paying attention to what's going on and, and you care about this kind of stuff. Um, our margins are too low, so let's shut down the plant. Nestle plans to close an infant formula factory due to China's plunging birth rate. Yeah, China's plunging birth rate. Who knows? I, maybe it says in the article, and and I'm reading the the cover of the book and making a judgment call, like right the snap judgment call. But the because of the shutdown in the United States about you know, infant formula, I did some noodling around, and the the average profit margin in 2021 was just shy of 12%. Now it's just shy of 15% a year later. I don't have 2023 numbers yet, but here's the deal. It shouldn't be that high of a profit margin for something that is literally required. And people hate it when I say literally, absolutely required for someone to survive, you know, at optimum health. Because it's not like you can just manufacture, you know, natural. It's very hard on my nipples for me to feed a baby. Bad you mean because you're not female? God, that's so funny in my head. Anyway, Nestle is set to close an infant formula factory in Ireland due to falling China demand. The food giant cited China's rapidly decreasing birth rate as the key part of the reason China's fertility rate has dropped to an historic low. Why a historic low? Um, to an historic low last year, according to experts. That's right. Apparently, my understanding is they don't even have the replacement value um, of reproduction right now. And so overall population is declining. Oh, um, wow. That's actually a threat in the for the united states as well the united states is not reproducing at the replacement rate um so everybody get busy um so tybalt spirlet which is an awesome name um wrote this article for businessinsider.com and i don't think that's it this is the nestle ceo schneider uh speaking during the nestle shareholders meeting in lucene 
wringing his hand saying, <laughs> Unlike all of the mothers who require our formula, we will be milking them for all they're worth. Is that wrong? When did I not do that? Well, right? none of that was from the article. <laughs> oh, right. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, too soon. So anyway, the world's largest food and beverage company said on Wednesday it was proposing to close its production facility in the Irish town of Eskeaton. I may be pronouncing that wrong because uh, it's Ireland. And uh, by the first quarter of 2026, unless a buyer can be found. The report cited dropping demand for infant formula in China, which it contributed to lower birth rates as a factor of its decision. A factor. The other factor was we can't get our profit margins to 25% without, you know, constraining production. The number of newborn babies in China has declined sharply from some 18 million per year to in 2016 to fewer than 9 million projected in 2023. So there's more in this hey, article. But we have a shortage in general of infant formula. I don't know. This seems like a rash decision. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really funny about that rash decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the fertility rate is... Uh, a record low of 1.09 babies per woman in 2022. It really uh, has to get closer. The population has to have on average 2.5 for replacement value because when people die off and there are accidents, you have to have enough people to at least hit stasis. Um, the United States, my understanding is the United States is on the precipice of this too. Um, if not below it now, I think we're below it. Anyway, the resulting labor shortages have triggered national policy changes like the end of the one child labor, uh, sorry, one child limit and monthly or one time payments for second or third children in many provincial cities, according to the China Britain Business Council. Yeah, this is actually um, other countries have done this before. Um, there was one country and I'm trying to remember which one it was that outlawed birth control um, and there was a massive population spike. Um, and it was basically the, the leader of the country at the time basically said it's illegal now. Um, and they were pretty, my understanding is they were pretty brutal about it. Anyway, Nestle's latest move means that 542 employees may lose their jobs and the company said, adding that it'll start a consultation process with the workers. Okay. 542 people will lose their jobs. That is just the tip of the iceberg. It's all of that food production that's gonna cease. Um, where is it gonna get picked up? They don't really address that apparently. We remain open. Well, to there doesn't purchase. seem to be extra capacity in other companies and factories. There would be if they wanted to have, see, here's the thing. A, a profit margin is everything after everything has been paid off. Everything is already accounted for and, and, and compensated in the sale. The profit margin is all the juice that's squeezed. So, and, and so because they survived the ability to capture policy, policymakers, regulatory capture, as it's called, they have the ability to survive even shutting down a plant. They just jack up their prices, maybe increase their productivity a little bit. But it's 
out of this world expensive to try and spin up an infant formula factory because there's so many rules and regulations, healthcare issues, health and safety, um, that, you know, one wrong move and it shuts down your plant. We're talking about tens of millions of dollars at least. So obviously it's always big business. Now, back in the day when Nestle first started and moved into it, the people who were doing these formula factories didn't have to abide by such stringent rules. And then policy came down because, you know, they made mistakes, but they already had the profits to adapt to the changing environment. Not anymore. You have to hit the ground running, meeting all of these existential threats in policy. Okay. Well, that's enough. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, before I go too far, I did it again. Oops. I did it again. Wait till I wear my sequin outfit. Oh goodness. It's going to glitter like that back there. No. Sometimes I don't filter what I say. Um, the next article is over in the mobile channel. These strange underwater animals could save our lives if we don't destroy them first. Like I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom. There's other people that are streaming doom and gloom right now. Um, but we need to be aware of these things. So let's go straight on over to Vox. So um, Benji Jones is the author of this article over at Vox.com. These strange underwater animals could save our lives if we don't destroy them first. Deep sea mining threatens the world's untapped and unknown underwater pharmacies. And uh, there's all kinds of stuff down there. Um, we used to have stats. There was some stat that we, something like 250,000 known um like there's critters down there that haven't been cataloged yet that we know exist, but we haven't been able to get a sample of them. Um, and then there's a whole bunch more that we don't even know about in areas. And there's like an estimation, um, but I can't remember what the number was. So this year they discovered, this is just this year, they discovered 5,000 new uncatalogued sea life species. Yeah. So sea sponges, a kind of aquatic animal found in oceans and some lakes, may look like a blobish. They may live in the shadows and of more uh, picturesque corals and fish, yet sponges are some of the most important animals on Earth. A lot of sponges actually get uh, turned into actual sponges, by the way. Yet sponges are some of the most important animals on Earth. They not only provide homes for countless other critters, but they're a living pharmacy that helps save human lives. They produce more chemical compounds than most, if not all other animals on the planet. And many of those chemical pro um, chemicals possess anti-cancer, antiviral, anti-malarial, and antibacterial properties. That's what makes this so concerning. Troves of these creatures could soon be stamped out as demand for clean technologies uh, rises, so does the need for more metals such as nickel and cobalt. We have another solution coming up after this um, that talks about that as well. Companies and countries are now looking uh, to the deep sea for a potential place to mine them, yet this region, though perceived by some as desolate, is full of sponges. It's full of life. It, you know, I don't, whoever is looking down there, it's like the desert, you know, just because you can't see it overtly and or fail to appreciate what it is 
right. doesn't mean that it's desolate. There's life all over the place there. So it's full you of spiders. You have to stop and watch for a moment to see what moves. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to stop, you know, navel gazing or counting your dollars. Most of these sponges have yet to be studied. Their chemical compounds still unknown. And there's a whole lot more to this article. Um, it says most of the roughly 15,000 known sponge species feed by pumping water through their bodies and filtering out tiny organisms. A sponge the size of a milk carton uh, can filter a swimming pool worth of water every day, said Chris Freeman, a marine biologist or ecologist, sorry, uh, at the College of Charleston. They're basically Brita's of the sea, and you can actually see these uh, pumps in action when divers inject fluorescent dye around the base of the sponge. Oh, wow. It's from the base. Interesting. I'd play this video, but what I want you to do is play that video. Follow the link through hometown over to the YouTube channel that has it. It's called amazing footage of sponges pumping. That's pretty cool. We'll have to watch it later. Um, and then some sponges, meanwhile, are carnivorous. They eat meat. This is kind of like, um, uh, Venus flytrap of the sea. It looks like a harp sponge first discovered on an expedition led by the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute in 2000. It's found more than 10,000 feet down off the coast of California and 10,000 feet. And it's beyond my diving range. Ping pong tree sponge, another meat eating sponge found several thousand feet down in the deep sea. Yeah. That doesn't even look like a, a living organism. Yeah, you just have to be willfully ignorant. And if it wasn't for the fact that sociopathy pretty much speaks to animals and, and human behavior, like the if you're a human and, and you just don't treat living uh, entities with any type of compassion. But when the, the same people are looking at this, they don't see anything that they need to treat like anything, right? Oh, it's just something in the way. Um, meanwhile, we could be losing something that changes you know, human history forever. Um, so that's where the deep sea comes in. Scientists have known for decades that the seafloor is laden with mineral deposits that are embedded in rocks, some of which are just sitting on the seabed. These deposits are difficult and expensive to harvest, yet rising demand for metals has made the business case for it more compelling. And that's really what it all comes down to. If it's cheaper to get it one way or the other, it's going to get got. So this article is quite long. Um, so go and check it out. There's more to it, but um, what we've just discussed is pretty much the summary of it. And it's a bummer. I love this stuff. It was always fun to dive. One of the, the the key tenets of diving is that you don't even touch anything. You know, you don't poke your finger at it. You might take a picture of it. You don't even you don't put your feet down on the seafloor uh, or on is coral. Kind of like leave no trace, but amped yep. up. Yep. 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 Um, if you are like a, a biologist, you may have to take a sample, um, but it's usually done after you have gained some awareness that's why they don't just zoom down there with a rover and just snatch whatever they want they they take a picture of it and then they talk about it and, and then if they see more of them um, or they think that there might be more of them somewhere they'll risk it and take a, a sample but it's usually non-destructive at least at first blush 
Okay, let's keep going. Uh, the next article is in the Law Nerd channel. You're supposed to bang your gavel, not flash your gun, former judge. Former judge. <laughs> right, that's the key word. So uh, this is from above the law. Um, and the, <laughs> the snippet they provide is the fewer cowards in black robes, the better. It can all be taken in very many different ways. Anyway, Chris Williams over at AboveTheLaw.com put this article together. Uh, judges take up an important role in our society. They are fundamental conflict mediators and, via sentencing, police those who violate the law or dare to uh, be poor and can't afford good lawyers. Those sometimes judges just straight up act like cops, racial profiling to boot. Thankfully, that didn't end well for former judge Robert J. Putorti from the ABA Journal. A New York judge has been removed from the bench for brandishing a loaded gun at a litigant and then describing the incident in an exaggerated and racial manner. The litigant, who is black, posed no threat to anyone, according to the opinion. He was six feet tall and weighed 165 pounds. Torty had said after the incident, the litigant approached the bench too quickly, causing him to brandish the gun that he kept attached to the underside of his bench using a magnet. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. That's definitely part of the uh, requirements for serving as a judge. Butorti, you know, this is the kind of thing that if he would have grabbed this thing, he could have fired it through the bench, you know, at somebody. Oh, absolutely. Everybody I mean, unaware. This could have ended a lot more negatively. Butorti said he uh, had said he subjectively feared for his safety, but acknowledged that he had no reasonable basis to think that the litigant was about to use imminent deadly force. He also acknowledged that he was not justified in brandishing the gun. So I'm sorry that I pointed a gun at you in a courtroom. Can I stay a judge? <laughs> Butorti uh, later showed his cousin's article to another judge telling her that he drew his gun on a big black man who was agitated at a magistrate's meeting in 2018. He said that he once pointed his gun at a large black man who came too close to the bench. Wow. Wait, it, am I reading that right? Does that sound like he, there were two instances of it? Um, right? it looks like it. So how did he make it past that incident? He said he once pointed a gun at a large black man who came too close to the bench. Maybe he's retelling the same this story This must twice. be the same incident. Yeah. So when Patorti's supervising judge questioned him about the incident, Patorti said the litigant was a large black man who was about six feet tall, nine inches, six feet, nine inches tall, and was built like a football player. Is a six nine tall football player in the courtroom with us right now because this is what a six foot 165 pounds looks like where where is it there must be a picture somewhere that i can't see that the air gap from uh hometown lands once more anyway um let's see here using words like large and football player to describe the first guy is less believable than Donald Trump being 6'3", 215, right up there with thinking that a bird watcher is an imminent threat 
or that Skittles, a hoodie, and iced tea are deadly weapons. These are all cases of racial profiling that have led to somebody's demise, by the way. I'm pretty sure. Um, I know that this one is. So it still blows my mind that the most widely circulated image of Trayvon is him in a hoodie and not wearing his effing NASA jumpsuit. So, yeah. All right, folks. Um, there you go. Let's just move on. Can't really say much about this. No judge should have a gun in this courtroom. Uh, the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. Safely removing nanoplastics from water using Prussian blue, a pigment used to dye jeans. So uh, I've always been a, a proponent of any technology that is um, being used to remove nanoplastics and for people to move away from plastics. Like I'm actually moving more over to glass and ceramic and steel. Um, aluminum where I can, but aluminum usually has some lining. Um, same thing with steel, but you have to be a little bit more aware. That's where ceramic and glass come into play. But anyway, um, anything that helps remove nanoplastics from water, which to date cannot be stopped at treatment plants. It's too small and it actually bypasses the filter. Right. So, so this could be quite the breakthrough if it's practical to apply it. Um, yeah, it really depends on how much Prussian blue costs when it's used in mass quantities. So if it makes uh, economic sense, it'll be used. But safely removing nanoplastics from water using Prussian blue, a pigment used to dye jeans, is an article that's posted over at fizz.org by the Korea, Korea Institute of Science and Technology. So as plastic breaks down, it breaks down into nanoplastics and microplastics are smaller than 20 ohm, uh, cannot be removed in currently operating water treatment plants. They use iron and aluminum based flocculants to bond it all together into clumps so that it can be removed, but that's actually toxic to humans. So they discovered this um, uh, using uh, Prussian blue, which apparently isn't toxic or anything to humans. It's, it's apparently, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, my brain just stopped working for a second there. Harmless, thank you, wow. Sent you an AI. I wanted to say non-toxic, but I didn't yeah, think you, that's where you're going. <laughs> the opposite of toxic, non-toxic. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah. So the the uh, flocculant makes it uh, bond together into a clump, and then it can be filtered out. Now, what's really cool about Prussian blue is it can actually be recovered um, uh, using other processes the other technologies that are in place that are actually toxic to humans require a much more heavy handed approach to remove the toxicity elements from it, uh, from the water. So it says here that, uh, when developed material is irradiated with visible light nanoplastics with a diameter of 150 nanometers, um, which are difficult to remove using conventional filtration technology can be uh, agglomerated into a size about 4,100 times larger, making them easier to remove. So they were able to remove up to 99% of nanoplastics from water. Beautiful. Wow. So, I mean, that's amazing. Yep. Um, there you go. 
So the technology has a high potential for commercialization as a candidate material that can be applied to general rivers, wastewater treatment facilities, and water purification plants. The problem here is I really don't want this stuff used out in the wild. Um, it, wherever there is a concentration of water from other natural sources into some confluence area, there is where it should be treated. Um, because what's going to end up if it's just thrown out into general rivers um, in, in streams and whatnot, the flocculant will make it sink or um, flow off to the side. But wherever it deposits, it's not getting picked up. It's just going to settle in larger clumps. <laughs> um, but they're still too small to actually see uh, easily. So I, I would rather it all just flow into a water treatment facility and then be cleansed there, particularly on the way out from whatever natural source, because it's even being found in, in freshwater wells and stuff like that, um, because it permeates through and then comes back out. It's, it's pretty disgusting stuff. We don't know what the impact of nanoplastics still is going to ultimately be to. And we human. won't probably for decades. Yeah, we'll find not out. Not with later. any real um, validity. Yeah, it's not like it's a a frying pan that's hotter than the sun. That statement makes sense, by the way, because a frying pan company is being sued for claiming temperatures that rival the sun. Can you heat up a pan to thirty thousand degrees Fahrenheit? That's the burning question at the center of this proposed class action lawsuit, which claims that the advertising of Shark Ninja's non stick cookware violates the laws of physics and thermodynamics <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a funny uh lawsuit marketing is gonna get so boring it just is right because you can't give wings for a drink you can't be a wing if you're not a wing yep. for food yeah i forgot about the others um oh man yeah you found two you a drink can't give you wings, so you're sued. You aren't a buffalo wing, because buffalo don't have wings, but you can't make that statement. So what else was there? There's like all kinds of stuff. Oh, man, I wish I would have kept a list so that we could have just plopped that out there. Anyway, while Shark Ninja is the company best known for it, Shark Robovax and Ninja Kitchen Gadget, uh, by the way, I think it's Shark Ninja is merged into one company. Um, the lawsuit takes issue with the Ninja Never Stick Premium Cookware Collection, a line of pots and pans it advertises as having superior non-sticking and non-flaking. Nothing should ever flake off of a pan. That's how you get all of that toxic stuff. From previous pans, we know that that non-stick stuff is toxic to humans. There, there's documentaries about it for crying out loud, you know, fictionalized movies that are about it that are based off of the real events of people being a whole communities being made sick by this stuff. Anyway, non flaking qualities, thanks to its manufacturing process, right until it does. This article's over at theverge.com. Uh, Emma Roth is the um, author. Says the lawsuit accuses Shark Ninja of misleading customers by saying its nonstick cookware were made at 30,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Says it was made at 30,000 degrees Fahrenheit. How are they? Okay, well, let's find out. 
Instead of making its pans at a measly 900 degree temperature that other brands use, Shark Ninja says it heats up the cookware to a maximum of 30,000 degrees Fahrenheit. That process, according to Shark Ninja, fuses plasma ceramic particles to the surface of the pan, creating a super hard textured surface that interlocks with our exclusive coating for a superior bond. I wonder how are they even talking about this? But Patricia Brown, the person who filed the suit, isn't buying it. As cited in Brown's lawsuit, NASA recently said the surface of the sun is a blistering hot 10,340 degrees Fahrenheit, meaning Shark Ninja's manufacturing process is about three times that temperature. <laughs> Seems a little hot. So according to the article, it says that they might not be fibbing. A really old article from the Washington Post describes a ceramic coating process that sounds close to what Shark Ninja advertises. Developed in Denmark and used on scan pan cookware, the mixture of titanium and a ceramic so hot, 30,000 degrees, that their atoms are broken down into a cloud of charged particles, tech speak for plasma, is fired at supersonic speed at the surface of an aluminum pan where it anchors itself into the metal, making it extremely hard, unscratchable surface. Hmm, interesting. Now, is that also fantastical speech? I mean, 30,000 degrees. How are they? I'm really curious because controlling that, even if it is plasma, plasma isn't something that is oh so easily controlled. You can actually see plasma, by the way. There's um, ways to do this in a microwave. You can put a grape in it and, you, and if you cut the grape, it will actually um, create plasma in that, in that little gap that you create. You can see that and just do a YouTube video. Do a YouTube video first and learn about that um, before you go off doing it. Um, in fact, yes. It, so we don't know here if that other one is legitimate or not. Right. Yeah. Not only that, but Brown argues that heating up Shark Ninja's pans to this temperature is a physical impossibility, given that aluminum vaporizes into a gas at four thousand four hundred seventy-eight degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. And it well, turns that would into, be a problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'd be firing this plasma right on through it because. I've done casting in aluminum and you don't have to get to that temperature. So the lawsuit also points out that Shark Ninja advertises the pan as oven safe up to only 500 degrees Fahrenheit. So I think somebody's full of never stick. All right, let's go on to the last article for today. Uh, that article is over in Gnometown Daily. Fisher Price recalls about 21,000 Thomas and Friends tr truck toys. Sorry, truck. I forgot how to talk. Fisher Price and the CPSC have issued a recall on Thomas and Friends wooden railway troublesome truck and crates and troublesome truck and paint toys. So I titled this segment Even Toy Trains Are Derailing. Sorry. They're all allergic Again, to the tracks. It's, it's funny in my head. The CPSE advises anyone with the toys to stop using them. <clears throat> Fisher Price recalls about 21,000 Thomas and Friends truck toys. Let's see. What do they say happens? 
Um, parents and customer parents and customers. Okay. Are being advised to stop using Thomas and friends, wooden railway, troublesome truck and it's in the name. Um, Thomas and friends, wooden <laughs> railway, troublesome truck and paint toys and truck and tr and crates toys. Um, because a small magnet encased in a plastic piece that can connect the toys to additional train toy pieces. My God, that's so hard to say can detach or become loose, posing a choking and magnet ingestion hazard. Um, according to a consumer product safety commission notice released Thursday. So if you have that little thing right there, this looks so close to, um, what were those toys? The Chuggington. Oh yeah. Chuggington, but they had actual mechanical, right? Or was it magnet like that? I'm trying to remember now. I think they there were, were ones that clicked together. I think. Yeah. It's been a while since I saw those. So apparently if it looks like that or it looks like that, stop using it because I think that magnet right there can fall out. I guess they used the wrong glue. And there's the number HBJ 89, but I would probably um, follow the link. There's got to be a link here. Contact Fisher Price through the Mattel website for a prepaid mailing label where they can, um, you can request a, a refund. Fisher Price said that they'll refund U.S. customers $17 for each recalled toy. If customers have additional questions, they can reach out to the company at 1-800, uh, sorry, 1-855-853-6224 between Monday and Friday. So don't allow your kids to mess with these toys um, until you call and do all of that because you're definitely not going to get a hold of Fisher Price uh, <laughs> after 6 p.m. Eastern on Friday and before 9 a.m. on Monday. So be yeah, sure to... Any time when somebody could actually make a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> you can call during regular working hours. Um, it, it's just weird that they would have something like this and have a time frame where people get in touch. Why not just make it as frictionless as possible, provide exactly. all of the information they need. Uh, but I guess it's, it should be right there, right? Service.mattel.com slash us slash recall slash HBJ eight, nine underscore IVR dot ASP ASP. They're running that. The ASP? Who uses ASP anymore? It's the 21st century. I'm sure a lot of people do, but that's the takeaway from the failing magnets. I'm tech centric. Come on. I'm a technologist. It's literally in the name. I'm going to be interested in this stuff, all aspects of it. So I wonder how many I could, if I go and hunt down like a whole bunch of those, can I just go, here's like 5,000 of them. I I'd like my. You know, it's probably one per customer or something. Three and a half million dollars. Thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> yeah, it's probably one per customer. That would really suck, you know, because you buy like 25 of them and hand it out to a right. class or something. And nope. God, can you imagine being responsible for somebody ingesting a magnet? No. Uh, that's why we feature stuff like this. That's right. So there's your PSA for the, the day. We try to get a PSA into everything. So, 
anyway, we're done for today. Um, thanks for coming to the early show. Crazy Cat Lady, if you're still out there, thank you very much for hanging out. Uh, but we always drag everybody back from the party bus into Main Street. And then we whack that welcome sign one more time and kind of scan through it real quick. There's just a whole lot of political news lately and what's going on in the Middle East, which just sucks. Yeah. Oh, there's something about the Halloween costumes and the strikes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I saw that. I saw something about that earlier, but did it reiterate that they can't wear them? Yes. Yeah. I saw that earlier. Um, so anybody that's on strike can't wear popular Halloween costumes that involve any movies because it's in violation of the contract because it's, which I just think is a riot. Like, how are they going to police that? It's marketing. Yeah. They're going to pull masks off of everybody. And, and yell at them and say, scab. <laughs> right. Look, Ars Technica even has deals. OLED TVs, Apple gear, robot vacuum. Watch out for that shark ninja 30,000 degree frying pan. The stuff that I yeah, want to try. I don't try, want a frying pan that goes that hot. <laughs> well, it doesn't. It can only go to 500 degrees before it violate something because they I'm just say saying that. that's not a win from a marketing standpoint <laughs> what you don't want to use a frying pan to re-enter earth's gravity <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what's on the bottom of the the little deorbit thing um, with the samples from the asteroid they put one of the shark ninja pans at the bottom of it there you go <laughs> <laughs> all right folks we're done for today. That means that I need to say I am Mayor Watts. That is hometown.com. And up there is the sentient AI pew, pew, uh, that's going to say a bipod. Well, and what do you, let's see. Hmm. Have a good afternoon. Uh, it's really, it's not just afternoon, but have a good evening. How about that? See you tomorrow. Have a good evening, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow around 8 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> around be sure to follow us here and over on youtube and on the podcast and uh, join the discord and uh, the patreon and the tiktok uh, the tiktok the tiktok <laughs> starting, starting to sound like granddad okay we're out of here take care everybody bye bye Boop.